God's word. Let us pray. God of power and grace, fill us with the wisdom of your word and the understanding of your spirit, so that we may be your church, a people with dreams and visions and work in all the world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Hebrew scripture lesson today comes from Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, and 15 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. For the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great. But in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. And you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Our Gospel reading today comes from Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 to 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. The foundation of the Hebrew law is found in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. As you read the Old Testament, you'll hear references to this over and over again, just as we heard in our passage from Leviticus 19. 
even to this day, this section of scripture is so central to everything in Jewish belief that in Jewish homes you will find tiny scrolls with this written on them in fancy containers above the doorways to their homes. This is taken very, very seriously. These doorway scrolls are called mezuzah. I've long thought about getting one for our home because many of them are quite beautiful. And I love the significance of having God's word above the doorways in your home. You can't go through a single doorway without being under the umbrella of scripture. And just like decorative crosses, there is everything from the very simple to the highly ornate Once upon a time, when I was deep down a dark rabbit hole on the internet, I even found a Lego Batman mezuzah. The $50 price tag is the only thing that kept me from making that impulse purchase. This passage that we read from Leviticus this morning is the beginning of a section of the books of law that is called the Holiness Code. In this section of the law... God is helping to steer the people toward holiness. He's telling them what it looks like to be a people set apart from the rest of the world. This code, full of fairness and justice and caring for others, came second only to the intense devotion to God that was required by the law in what is called the Shema, that passage I read from Deuteronomy. But this this section, this holiness code, was right under that in importance. And in fact, when you move forward into the books of the prophets, when the prophets aren't railing against the people for failing to show appropriate love and devotion to God, they are scolding them sharply for their failure to live up to the justice and love that are called for in the holiness code in Leviticus. Because they are not acting like people who are set aside by God, who are set apart from the rest of the world. So when Jesus says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, this was something the Pharisees already knew. This was something any good Jew of the time knew. Jesus wasn't telling them anything they didn't know academically when he said that the law and the prophets were all about loving God and acting out in love to one another. What Jesus was saying and telling them this is that they weren't doing that. They were so busy, trying so hard to manage all the minutiae of the rest of the law that they had put these two commandments in the wrong place. The Pharisees had fallen off what hinged the law and the prophets that they prided themselves in so much. You are making it too complicated, Jesus says. You're trying to hang all these commandments on yourselves when really you should be hanging them on these two basic commandments you have known since you were little boys in Hebrew school. When you follow the command... To love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your being. You will find that you are able to love your neighbor as yourself and the rest will begin to fall into place. Stop 
loving God's law more than you are loving God, Jesus says. Because if the, if the rest of the law hinges on loving God and on loving one another, then it doesn't matter how much of the minutia of the rest of the law you get right. If you've missed the mark and forsaken or neglected the intense, beautiful, wonderful relationship with God that we are offered as a people set aside. While no metaphor can quite contain God or our relationship with God, there is a reason that the metaphor of parent is often used. We can get that. We can be so very much like children. Sometimes we're naughty children, willfully ignoring the rules. Sometimes we're dramatic children trying to make ourselves the center of everyone's attention. And sometimes we're children desperately trying to get our parents' attention by pushing harder and striving to be the best. The Pharisees were more this last sort of child than any other. They wanted to get God's attention, God's blessing, by following all the rules perfectly. But in the process of that, they forgot the basic tenets of the family covenant. Love the Lord your God and love one another. I'm not saying we should ignore the law, just that it has a very specific place that we must keep it in. Sin is a real thing, obviously. Just look at the crazy world around us. And I'm going to just go ahead and name the elephant in every single room in our country right now. This presidential election coming up next week is a three-ring circus. It is not the church's place or a pastor's place to tell you who to vote for. And we're not going to talk here about why any of us think this is such a big mess. But I imagine that most of us can agree that it is a big, hot, steaming pile of sin. Let us as Christians be super careful in the weeks and possibly months ahead, depending on how the next few weeks go. Are we first and foremost loving God with all of our being? And loving our neighbor as ourselves? Or are we going straight to our love of law and structure and trying to solve the problems by forcing others into the law as we see fit? See, often we conflate these commandments. We squish them together. Often we mush the loving God commandment together with all of the law. And we like to pretend like loving our neighbor or following the rest of the law to a T or being a vocal champion of God's moral law is the proof that we love God with all of our heart and mind and soul. And it's true. When we love God, we love what God loves. Everything and everyone. And it's true that when we love God, we find ourselves loving God's law. But it's not exactly converse that in loving that which God loves, we love God. An example. If you didn't know, my dear husband loves bicycles. Just look in our garage or basement the next time you're around our house. If you would like a gauge of exactly how much he loves bicycles. And over the years, I've developed a deepening appreciation for them. I'm even dabbling in some gentle mountain biking to spend more time with him. You are not going to see me bombing down any hills in Seven Springs anytime soon. 
but I'm a work in progress. I'm giving it a go. Over the years, I've started to learn more about bikes and cycling and bike racing. And the one professional sporting event that uh, Tim really does enjoy is the Tour de France, the yearly bike race across France. I think it's kind of like watching NASCAR, only slower. But I've learned about it through the years of our marriage, and I have caught myself following it in the news and sometimes even on TV these days, even when he's not around. There was a moment, though, a few years back when we were out of the country during the tour, and uh, we were flipping through TV in the hotel room in the evening, and we found the Tour de France. The problem was the station was broadcasting it in German. I thought I had a pretty great understanding of what was going on in these races until the moment when he said, quick, you speak German, translate, what's happening? And I realized in that moment that they do not teach you much about bike racing in high school and college German classes. <laughs> and I don't understand the sport enough to both watch what was going on and connect it to the words I was trying to translate in my head. In the end, I was glad I'd learned a little bit about the sport and that the word Peloton is the same in English and in German. But I realized that in spite of my growing appreciation for bicycles and attempts to become a better cyclist myself, it's a darn good thing that my husband doesn't think my love of his bicycles and understanding of his favorite sporting event is somehow proof of how much I love him. I want to learn to love them more and more so that I can spend more time with him and so that we can grow in our relationship but my appreciation of the sport is not the proof of how much I love the sport lover. So what does it mean to seek to love God with all of our heart, mind, and strength? If this is so important for everything else, how do we grab a hold of it? Well, you're all still tuned in here in spite of the frankly crappy and awful year we have collectively had, so you're off to a good start. Not that going to church earns you anything in God's eyes, but this is one of the places we can go to seek God, to show our dedication and our love. It is through prayer and meditation, fasting and studying the Bible, through worship and praise all of these and, and many other things that we call spiritual disciplines. It is through acting out our yearning for God that we seek God. These actions that don't have merit in and of themselves open us up to hear the will of God and bring us closer to God. It is by purposefully keeping God at the forefront of our minds and hearts and speech and actions that we grow closer to God and find our whole soul crying out to be nearer and nearer. I'm going to say something today that I will probably say next week to vote if you haven't already. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for or ask you to tell me who you're voting for or tell you who I'm voting for. Again, that is not my place. But I do believe it's important for us as Christians to go out and vote because it's one of the ways that we can influence how the world around us operates and treats people. 
That said, the law of the land is never going to mirror God's desires for the world perfectly or even mostly. In this sin-filled plane of existence, we are lucky if we catch glimpses. We cannot force every nuance of our interpretation of God's will on an entire country. We can't even force our, inter- our interpretation of God's law or idea of how that looks enacted on election day on any person around us. We need to just stop trying to do that. Not only is it pointless, it's generally not terribly loving or kind. What we can do is have loving, conscientious conversations with those we trust about how to best love one another and all we do. We can continue to love even those who don't conform in the ways we think they should. And we can exercise our influence on the way our country operates by voting for people and policies and laws that exhibit love of God and love of others. You're all smart enough to approach that with your Bible in one hand and your newspaper in the other and come to a good conclusion. So even if you're tired of all of this, I know that I am, even if you feel like it's choosing the lesser of two evils, even if you're not sure yet who you're voting for, Do some reading, watch some speeches, then read your Bible and pray and then vote your conscience. That's the Presbyterian way after all, isn't it? Search your heart and seek out how to love others, all others, not out of self-serving. And then regardless of who wins the election or control of any particular government body, do do not forget on November 4th, or whenever we know the results, that we are Christians. We are called to be holy, set aside, different, loving. Even when the world loses its mind and behaves badly, we are called to stand out from the crowd and to choose love and kindness. Do not let a presidential election make you forget who you really belong to and what that means about how we are meant to interact with the rest of the world. None of these candidates are God's chosen one. The title Messiah is already taken. You do not belong to Donald Trump. You do not belong to Joe Biden. You do not belong to the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. Do not sell your soul to them. You belong to God and God alone. Act like it. Yes, put out your yard sign if you want to wear your t-shirt. There is nothing necessarily wrong with that. Just don't let it become a more prominent part of your household than your mezuzah or your cross or your Bible. In any election, local or or national, we have to weigh the Christian values that we see our leaders enacting and upholding and do our best to put people in charge who will take the best care of the most people. But if you are voting a particular way because a party or a candidate has convinced you that they are the one and only Christian party or candidate, the one that knows and will perfectly enact God's will for this country, you've been duped. I am not preaching politics this morning. I'm actually begging us to stop dragging God's name into sinful, shameful, messy, hurtful human politics. 
I'm asking you, dear beloved children of God, siblings in Christ, holy and set-aside people, that even and especially in the middle of this crazy election, we must remember these two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Look out for their well-being as much as your own. Seek God rather than being right. When our hearts and our minds and our wills and our actions begin to look more and more like God's heart and mind and will and actions, we will find ourselves loving neighbor as ourselves. We will see that we become a people set aside, a holy people different from the rest of the world, a holy people who look different and who reflect God's law even when human law hurts or falls apart, not because we love God's law like the Pharisees did, but because we love God. Because we recite our love of God to our children, we talk about it to them no matter where we are. First thing in the morning and last thing at night, our love of God will be evident in the work of our hands and the thoughts of our minds, not because it is a good work or so-called right thinking, but because it is God's work and God's mind shining through us. Our doorways and our gates will mark boundaries of places where God is put first and foremost in everything. We will be holy because the Lord our God is holy. Amen. <laughs>